It's good to be here speaking again, and it's good to see those of you that are here. Uh, we're missing so many compared to what we normally are, but we're thankful that we have the online where we can reach out and speak to you at home. And regardless, you know, we got to be ready. Uh, it kind of goes with my title of the sermon today is, Are You on Time? And uh, you are all obviously on time because you made it here to church, for those of you right here. And those of you at home... You're on time. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later in my sermon. And, uh, it's, uh, the, the scripture that I'm using, uh, today, I'm just going to read that first here for a second. It's in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It should be up there. And it says, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposely and worldly and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. We're going to be looking at the buying up each opportunity part quite a bit through this talk today and stuff. And and, uh, you're probably wondering, why is Pastor Mike here and he's not up here speaking? Well, I tell you, with the COVID stuff going on and so many families affected, uh, Mike, Pastor Mike was supposed to be speaking somewhere else today and, and that got canceled last minute. And we've had all sorts of changes, but you've got to be ready to, to do what you're called to do. And that's going to be kind of what we'll be talking about today is, are you making the opportunity? Are you saying yes when you need to be saying yes to the opportunity? I want to talk about what some of that may look like when you say yes to the Lord. I had the, uh, the privilege of speaking, uh, here, I, I really don't know, it was five, six weeks ago, actually spoke as well here, and it was the first time I had spoken for quite some time, and I had gotten the basis of the whole whole sermon that I thought I was going to preach on, but I just needed to make a story out of it, if you understand what I mean, so that the basis made sense, an application. And I, I knew I was going to speak at the end of the week. It was a, it is an extremely busy week for me, schedule-wise and stuff, and uh so I thought, well, I've got part of Thursday, I got a few hours there, and I've got even a few more hours Friday, and I got a lot of time on Saturday. I will get this easy. And so Thursday came, I went in and sat down and contemplated on different scriptures, the different things to speak about with the main, the, the main part of my sermon. Didn't get a thing. Uh, well, that's no problem. We got Friday. We got Friday. So Friday comes. I got more hours to to contemplate. And I'm sitting there, and some of you may relate to this, but it's absolutely crickets sounding off in my head. Like nothing. It was flatlined, if you will, on medical terms. And uh, uh, hmm, this is not good. And so I had a, a well-respected Christian friend of mine call me that day that I respect very much. And he says, hey, what are you up to? 
And I said, I told him what I was trying to do. And he says, right away, he says, oh, well, you're not supposed to have notes. You're supposed to speak from your heart. And I said, thank you for that curse. No, I do not want that. That is not happening. You don't understand. I, I, I haven't spoke for quite some time, and I'm not that comfortable with doing it uh, that way. And he goes, whatever. And so, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. And I call you a friend. And so, so the next day, Saturday comes, I'm like, okay, I can get up fresh. I don't have to go work. I don't have to do anything. I'm literally sitting there nodding off at my desk because nothing is happening. I'm at this stage, I'm starting to panic. Like literally, I'm in this panic. And uh, so come Saturday evening, I'm literally all day, I've just sat there. He called me again and says, hey, how's it going? I go, well, I'm trying to get rid of the curse you put on me because I can't think of anything. He goes, you got to understand, you're supposed to speak from your heart. I go, why did you call? And so, <laughs> and so that evening, I finally had a little bit of something. It wasn't very good. I went over, you know, I, you know, you're trying to do the best for the Lord. So you're wanting to like kind of go over it. So at least you sound like you got somewhat intelligence and stuff. And so sometimes for me, that can be a challenge. And so I'm like, that evening, I, I'm, I'm trying to go over and I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, are you ever going to have to do something here? And, uh, so I'm thinking, okay, Sunday morning, I'll, I'll get up, I'll go over what I did and surely the Lord will refine it to make it presentable. So I set my, I'm normally an early morning riser anyway. And so I, I'm thinking it's no problem. I'll set my alarm. I, not to give you so much information about my life, but I have two alarms. I have one where the radio goes off about 10 minutes before the actual alarm goes off. It's kind of a nice way, mellow way of Christian music playing to wake up, feel the Lord's presence. <clears throat> well, I go to bed and uh, I wake up and I'm like, wow, I feel really good. I feel really refreshed and stuff. And I kind of like roll over and look out in the hall and I'm like, well, that's interesting. It's sure seems a lot lighter in a hall than it should for for as, uh, for as uh, early as it is and stuff. And so, well, I wonder what time it is. I feel like I got a good night's rest. I roll over and I hit the uh, the brightness knob on my clock. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, do I need to put my glasses on or what? What am I looking at? I look at it, folks, and it said 9-11. 9-11. I had to be at church at 10 o'clock to speak. It was 9-11, and it takes 20 to 25 minutes for those of you who don't know me to get here to church. If you have any idea what panic is, that is panic. You cannot believe how many thoughts can go through one's head in just a small amount of time. Like craziness, I'm thinking, I'll call and say I'm not well because I wasn't well. I wasn't well. I was so emotionally distraught. I'm like, this is impossible, God. What happened? Like, I hadn't slept that long in years, literally in years. I'm like, 
Oh, devil, you are a sneaky one. It's, I was blame, trying to blame everyone. Everyone, but whatever. Anyway, I like had to shower. I had to get in there, out. Luckily, I had myself kind of collected to grab, to run out the door. But the worst thing was I hadn't had coffee to actually wake up. And I, all the way down here, I'm trying like, okay, stay calm. Think about what you're going to do. Think about what you're going to do. But the thousands of thoughts going through my head, you're going to look like an idiot. You are going to look like an idiot. And uh, as, I'm, uh, as I'm coming, why I'm thinking of the words of my friend who said, you're supposed to speak from your heart. And I also remembered saying earlier in the week, Lord, I just want to be your vessel. I want you to use me just for you. I said yes to the opportunity, and now I want to do it good for you. <clears throat> that picture, though, of what happened wasn't what I was picturing. So when we take the opportunity, we need to, to understand that if we're going to totally yield to the Lord, that sometimes it's going to get us out of our comfort zone a long ways. And I tell you, I was out of my comfort zone a long ways. There was no room for performance. There was no room for anything but Jesus to come and do something because it was not of myself. And so sometimes I have a lot of people ask me, "Is what is God calling me to do? I have so many people that have asked me that. I don't know what God's calling me to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to go or what my ministry is supposed to look like. And the ironic thing is, is what most of them don't know is they're already in their ministry field. They just haven't accepted it. That the ministry of what you're doing in your marketplace job is more than likely where God has called you. It doesn't always mean that we're going to be called to do church office type ministry or some other type of ministry, even though oftentimes it can be that. But I'm saying that the, that the marketplace ministry is such an important thing, and especially today. We need more Christians to show up and act like Christians and talk like Christians not only at work, but at home, because that is what we need today. As you look around the world, it is obviously not happening good enough. And so um, so when you say yes to God, sometimes it means saying no to the things that keeps you from saying yes. And so when you say yes to God... You need to be ready for the unknown. You need to be ready to do whatever, whatever is in your heart. Listen to your heart. Watch with your eyes. Listen with your spirit of what the Lord is speaking to you. Because that is, that is where it's happening, folks. And you say, well, it doesn't happen for me that way. And if it doesn't, if you then possibly you don't know the character of God well enough in your life to know how he operates and how he thinks and what he does. And so I suggest that you get in this book every day until you understand 
who he is and how he operates and what he does. Maybe it looks like something that you're just as simple as that you're at the grocery store and you're you're behind somebody and it looks obvious that maybe they have several children or something and uh, and they're using all the money they can and you know that they've got other needs for the rest of the month that they need to take care of and you just have a little extra. Why not pay for their food? Can you imagine the impact that has? And just things like that. You don't have to give them a sermon about, well, Jesus Christ told me to do this or the Lord told me to do this or whatever. No, just say, I hope this blesses you. The Lord loves you. That's all you got to say. Something as simple as that and send them on their way. Or how about that drive through where you're buying that $7 special coffee you're going to get every morning or whatever and stuff, and you see somebody behind you that looks like they could just use a little pick-me-up. Pay for, pay for their coffee. Pay it forward, as they say. You've heard that before, but truly, it's a time to pay for it. It's a time to say yes to God. It's a time to, to look different for the opportunities that God gives us. Listen in your in your in your heart and in your spirit. In Ephesians 2:10 it says for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So every day, pretty much every day, God gives us an opportunity to do something special. Now, don't get hung up on the word predestined as in we're robots that God has created and that we're just like roboting around to do a thing. No, we have a free will. So you can choose either to do something or not do something. It's up to you. But he predestines opportunities for us to show up and make a difference. And so every day when you get up, believe it or not, instead of looking and thinking, oh, what am I going to do today, is look inside like, Lord, what are we going to do today? See, he's with you. He's with you when you went to bed, and he's with you when he got up. Because if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives and resides in you. So he's there just waiting for a chance to be released and be seen through you as a vessel because you said yes to the opportunity. The church said yes to the opportunity to feed all those children and the starving people in India. That was part of you as well, because if you donate to this church, you were a part of that saying yes. And so feel good about that and look for the opportunities in your own personal life to do it as well. See, the Lord's not concerned about your ability so much as your availability. And you say, well, I cannot do the things that you're asking me to do. I cannot do that. Because your fear of failure. Listen, I had so much fear of failure, it was crazy that day that I spoke here about five or six weeks ago. But he's not looking to judge you. He's looking for you to just take the opportunity and do something. Everybody has this wrong impression about our God. 
that he's waiting for just us to do something wrong so that he can judge us or, or, or smack us or whatever. No, you're listening to the devil, if that's what you think. You're reading the wrong book because God is a loving God, and he just wants to celebrate you for who he created you to be. And if you're thinking of thoughts of, you know, the first thing that a lot of people do when they go to think about helping somebody or praying for somebody, if they're not normally used to doing that, I can pretty much tell you what's going to happen right away when you do that. Oh, there's going to be thoughts. There's going to be somebody planning thoughts. Do you remember what you did last week? Do you remember what you did a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago? you remember who you are? Who do you think you are praying for somebody? Really? Uh, yeah, that's not the voice of God. That is not the voice of God. So I encourage you, take your thoughts captive. Read the, read the scripture. Know who God is. Know what, how he speaks to you and stuff. He loves you. He has compassion for you, and he will use you as you allow yourself to be used by him. You know, like I said, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be willing. The scripture is loaded with, in the Old Testament particularly, of people, in the New Testament, of people who did great things for God. But if you look at their life completely, it wasn't all that commendable at times. If we take, actually, like King David in the Old Testament, what a what a man of God he was. He did amazing things. But here's here's just one little clip of King David of his not so good life was is that he coveted another man's wife. He actually stole another man's wife. He actually had adultery with another man's wife. And then on top of all that, because he felt so guilty about it, there was something that came over him. He thought well, if I could only have the other man's wife dead or killed, then maybe I wouldn't feel all this guilt. And so he had him put in the front lines of a battle so that he got killed. And something about David at that time made him feel all right with that. But God sent a prophet to speak to him and show him what he had done. And he was he was so heartbroken about what he had done, but he just hadn't seen it in the light of what God wanted him to see it. And he repented greatly. He repented very much so. And God, you know what God said? He said, David is a man after my own heart. He loved David, even with those things that he did. So it doesn't matter what you may have done. Or maybe there's something in your life that you just can't get rid of. God is not looking at that. He's looking at who he created you to be. Yes, he knows you sin. No, he doesn't want you to sin. But he's looking at who he created you to be, just like David. Moses, he had a terrible temper. He got so upset with people he was leading, he he took... uh, some blunt punishment for that. Uh, even before he started leaving the people in the uh, desert for 40 years, he he saw two guys fighting, and he didn't like that, so he uh, went and killed the one and tried to bury him, cover it up, but that didn't work well for him either. But look at 
Moses. I mean, next to the name of Jesus Christ, I'm thinking Moses is probably right up there when you think of the names in the, in the Bible of, of icons. Uh, then you got Jonah. You got the one who says, nope, I'm not going to do that, Lord. Instead of saying yes, he said no. And so, see, God wanted Jonah to go and talk to the Ninevites because they were living a very ungodly life, and he didn't want to destroy those people. He wanted to save them because that's his heart. But Jonah didn't like them, and so he said, nope, I am not going to do that, and he did the opposite. And so the Lord had to take it a little step further. Long story short, he ended up getting swallowed by a very large fish. He spent three days in the belly of a fish, that must have been a real delightful place to stay for three days in the darkness, smelly, and who all knows what else. And then he got educated, and he came out and decided that he would go speak to the Ninevites. He went and spoke to the Ninevites. They listened. They changed their way, and God didn't have to destroy him. And so what an awesome thing. See, God wants the best for us. He wants the absolute best for us. He's not looking for a reason to punish us. He's looking for a reason for you to say, yes, Lord, so that he can show up through you and do awesome things for the glory of God. Amen? So quit listening to your negative thoughts. Quit trying to disqualify yourself because you're all very qualified. This is a time... In America, like I said earlier, is that we need to be listening to God. We need to be praying. We need to stand up for righteous before God. We need to be standing and praying for the righteous things to prevail over this country again. Right now, the country is probably in one of the most spiritual warfare battles it's ever been in. And we need to be truly standing up right now as Christians, doing all we can to make a difference to combat that because the enemy is certainly having his heyday today. The uh, the uh, in, in 2 Timothy 4.2, it says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. Now, some translations, instead of ready, it uses the word be prepared or instant. In an instant, in season and out of season. That means if you're asked maybe to do something for a neighbor or whatever. But be instant. If you look at the Greek word for that, it's called, I'm going to probably butcher the name, so don't, Tell me later that I said it wrong because I already know I'm going to. But it says inhistomy, inhistomy, which is a Greek word. It's a military term for don't budge, don't move. And that's what we see happening today is with Christians is that the world is pushing them back. The world's ways are making them recede from the foundation of which of who they are, the Christian foundation. And we are moving back, and the enemy is taking territory. But the Lord is saying, stand strong. Know who you are. He that is in you is stronger than he that is in the world. Remember that. Wake up knowing that. Wake up speaking that. 
Whatever it takes to build yourself up, get up and do that and stuff. <clears throat> so we have a lot of things going on. This week, as you know, is Thanksgiving week. And we have a lot to be thankful for. Little little story on uh, Thanksgiving, actually, uh, which you probably already know, is is that in 1620, there were 102 people who set out from Plymouth, England, to sail seas over here on a ship called the Mayflower. And they made it over here, and they landed in the New England region there. And then, after they had docked, or whatever you want to call it, they had all sorts of disease uh, go through the people. Like, if I didn't say there was 102 people, it literally took out half of them. The ones that were left the next spring, they planted seeds, they, they grew a crop, and they had a harvest. And they invited the local uh, natives to join them, and they did. And uh, that festival lasted for three days, according to history. Well, this tradition went on over a time, and it didn't become official until 1789, actually. And in, in 1789, it was during the American Revolution that the Congress designated one or more days of Thanksgiving a year. And it was in 1789 that George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the government of the United States. Now, it had been proclaimed, but apparently it still wasn't like a yearly celebrative thing. There was a lady by the name of Sarah Josea Hale. She was an author back then, and you may know her by the long-time nursery rhyme of Mary Had a Little Lamb. And she wanted this holiday proclaimed to be a national holiday to pray for those who were in need. And that was in 1863. And uh, it was at that time, finally, that Abraham Lincoln signed it into a proclamation that it would be celebrated and because of her. They called her Mother Thanksgiving because for 30 years she tried to get this enacted. And uh, she wanted it because she wanted all of Americans to ask God to commend to his tender care for all those who had become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of the nation. We have that going on today. We have, with the COVID, we've had so many deaths with that. We have a lot of wounds. We have a lot of mourners, sufferers. But, Lord, our our nation is in civil strife like it's never been before. Those people said yes. They came over here because they wanted to practice their religion over here. And so they so they said yes to whatever dangers that they were going to encounter. I can't even imagine getting on a wooden ship with really no instrumentation that I'm aware of unless they use uh, stars or whatever and came over here, unlike what we have today with GPS and stuff on the ships. But they said yes. Today, we need to say yes. We have the same 
thing going on. It only we have this spiritual battle that is trying to steal our religious freedom. This week is Thanksgiving, and I, I want you to say thanks for all the blessings that you have, but at the same time, why don't you be thankful and also give? See, what the Lord gives, he doesn't always give for us to hoard. He, he gives it also so that we can give back. And what a great week would it be to give thanks back for all the great things and also to stand for the all the civil strife that's going on. It is, it is really important for the nation right now to, it doesn't matter whether you voted blue or red, Right now, with all the political onslaught that's going on with the uh, potential fraud in the voting, is that we're going to lose our confidence in our political system if this isn't correctly done right now before it, before the next election comes. And it doesn't matter who you voted for. We want to have confidence in our political system. And right now, that's in big jeopardy right now. And so we need to vote, or not vote, we, we do need to vote, but we need to stand and pray that this gets resolved in the right way. We have also at stake our religious freedom is possibly at jeopardy. The onslaught of of thousands and thousands and thousands of babies being taken, life taken from them before they even have a chance to to experience life. And there's so many other areas. We are in a spiritual battle. And this Thanksgiving, this whole week, until all this, or actually forever, we need to be praying for this nation like never before. In 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Oh, how true that is. How true that is. So, folks, ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Is there something, Lord, that you've been asking me to do that I've ignored? Is there something you've been asking me to do that I haven't been paying attention to? I I encourage you to do that. Get up tomorrow morning. Ask the Lord, Lord, what are we going to do today? What are you going to to show me that I can do to bless somebody? Because, listen, we're very blessed. We really are. You go to, as we're talking about India, you go to some of these other nations and see some of the horrible stuff there, you will realize how blessed we are. And so... Let's make a difference, Christians. Let's look for an opportunity to say yes this week. Amen. Have a great week.